pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Oh, are we live? <laughs> is uh, Stephen here? <laughs> are we? Uh, we should we showing up like the Ducks for uh, for the game today? I just I wasn't sure if we were going to podcast because I don't know if we actually saw any hockey play tonight. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. This was <laughs> that was a tough go tonight. Really tough. But welcome to the uh, for everybody post game show, everybody. Ducks fall to the Minnesota Wild three to one. Um, Wow, that was quite the game. I I don't really know where to start on this, Stephen. Usually we have like a like a quip to talk about right off the top, where we could have some something to to kind of bounce around here. But man, that was a tough go. That was a real tough go tonight. Yeah, that was. I, yeah, I mean, to me, it kind of just really feel a game that brought everybody back down to earth because they kind of wanted to feel better about the team, and we played the Sharks and the Kings. It, and I mentioned this to Eddie before the show that I thought it was really interesting that like technically the wild are at the bottom of the division, but they are very clearly either fourth or fifth in the division, depending on how you feel about Arizona. Yeah. They're not and that good. They're, they're really not, not that good. But they're, but I think the thing for them is, is that's the team, right? Where you look at it and you go, there's enough talent there that if they get, uh, <clears throat> Uh, if you get the power play running, because they have, like, I think they're tied with us for the lowest total of power play goals with, like, two. But they have a worse power play. Yeah. yeah. But that's because they generate more chances, so their percentage drops. Whereas the Ducks don't do anything to generate chances. So <laughs> they have the same number of goals, but nothing good. You know, so it's, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't even know. Well, yeah. let's let's start. Let's let's go into into things we do know about what happened in this game. One, um, we have that lack of finishing ability, and and what's really interesting prior to tonight's game. I don't know if you saw Dallas Aiken's comments about uh, he's been looking at analytics and seeing how we're getting the scoring chances, just not having that finishing touch, which is something that's just has been this recurring theme for a long time now in this organization. At first, it was. We need to find a winger to play with Getzloff because there's, you know, they have no one up there on the right wing. And then they finally get Raquel in, and then that kind of just gets mixed around. We lose Kessler. You go, 
year by year, all the old guys start falling off this team and the new guys start getting injected into the lineup. And we have a lot of hope, right? Like we think these kids coming in, they could be strong middle six players. Well, now we're at the point where the middle six guys, as we've talked been talking about now for weeks, are being pushed into positions to be the, the main focus of this team offensively. And they really just can't carry the bag. Like it's just, it's really that. And that's the answer I'm seeing here is that they're getting their chances, but we just don't have those guys to finish. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think this is something we've talked about all year is that just at the end of the day, the Ducks suffer from a lack of elite talent. You know, either someone who can create easy goals um, or someone who can just finish at a really high level. And we don't have either of those. You know, I think... But you, you know, really only off. need one of those guys on this team to give the break to the kids, right? Like, it's tough putting these middle sixers out on top line minutes or be rearranged with guys that are used to playing yeah. on a constant basis to get any, any sort of rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, if if uh, if Raquel is still a 30-goal guy, I think that feels different. You know, if Silverberg's closer to 25 than 15... I think it feels different, but I just think, you know, at the end of the day, what you're looking at is you said it exactly right. You know, it's a bunch of middle six guys on a team where the guys who are, we could at least go, those are top line guys. They're old. And the guys who are young and up and coming either haven't developed into a high end player. I don't think we should expect any of them to be, but there's always, you know, the outside chance that somebody comes good in a way we weren't expecting. But beyond that, it's just a lot of good guys. Like, they're just fine. They're good. You know, and they have a place on a competitive team, but this isn't a competitive team. And when, you know, like you said, you have guys in positions that to perform at a level they're just not capable of for one reason or another right now. And the trickle-down effect from that is just overwhelming. So what have you seen, given the circumstances on this team that we just kind of described? In your mind... There's no way Ricard Raquel could be this bad at shooting the puck. I mean, he's shooting like sub 2%, right? Uh, there, there's, to me, another guy offensive that hasn't looked anywhere near to what we've seen in the past either is Jacob Silverberg. Another guy we're not seeing scoring goals. Um, even when people say, like, he's got the shot, he takes the shot, he has that look, he's not putting it where he usually does, you know, up under the bar, up high. He, he's He's not, even when he has the chances, he's not finishing there. So even the guys that we have expected, those guys aren't necessarily old. Ricard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg, you know, on the on the on the downside of twenty five, sure, but or twenty seven. Now I think they're closer to thirty, but they're not over the hill like Getz. So what do you attribute to that? Do you think it's kind of like a line combination thing, or maybe it's just not their season? I think I think it's a number of things. I think part of it is just that you know shooting is really fluky. You know, that's why, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why PDO is such a useful stat is because what it does is basically accounts for luck, um, you know, and it's hard. You know, I I don't know. I think part of it is, is that some it's of a hard guys question start, to answer, right? That's yeah, a tough I one. Think some, I think some of the guys who start finishing at a level that we kind of expect them to do. But again, I also think some of it is the ice time is pretty even and i i just think that while you look at the roster and you go yeah it's going to take a group effort to get across the line the fact is is that that kind of egalitarian approach just isn't working and you know he kind of Egan seems to want to ride the hot hand every night but it's just there are no hot hands so what he ends up doing is classic coach shit and falling back on effort. And so the fourth line ends up on the ice more than other people in situations that maybe you don't want him out there. You know, I, and so, you know, I, I think at a certain point, you know, like the expected goals thing is interesting because it does highlight the degree to which it is somewhat of a lack of finishing. But at the same time, I think it also shows that, the team isn't generating easy chances, right? Because they're not it, they're not generating opportunities that feel, you know, four out of five are goals. They're generating chances where you're like one out of five are goals, or you need a great shot, or, you know, you literally need someone to fall down on the other team for the opportunity to create itself. And so, 
I think we're seeing just kind of the limitations of the roster mixed with what could potentially be the limitations of Dallas Akins as a coach. Yeah, and so this this game tonight is is basically what a lot of this season could look like going forward, unless there's some sort of major change. But that major change is going to be re, you're going to be requiring to to get rid of assets that you need to build. So are we secretly on Team Tank? And, uh, and that's why they said it's a retool. Like it's, <laughs> we don't want you to, we don't want to say tank, but it's very curious. They haven't brought in any help. I mean, really, I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk doesn't move the needle. There's no doubt in my mind, these people in management aren't idiots. It's not like they thought he was going to come in here and score 50 points for the docs. Like it's a marginal move. And well now shit, now we're without probably Hampus Lindholm for some point in time, at least a game or two, it would seem he missed the third period. Let's hope it's, not much, and now we're out of Manson, so Team Tank, are we back? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think, you know, I've been on that the whole time. Like, I don't think there's any reason for this team to be thinking it's competitive. I think the best thing this team can do is accept that they're not going to be good, play as many of their young guys as they can, and see if you can get some of those, you know, early season rookie year kind of jitters out in a year that doesn't matter. You know, and then hopefully, you know, you get a good pick and you get someone who in a year or two can make a difference or something like that. You know, maybe at the end of the year, you bring up a couple of more of the kids uh, from San Diego, like, you know, Drysdale or Zegris or, you know, maybe even Perot or someone like that and just kind of see where it gets you. But at this point, there's no reason to think that the situation's really any different than it's been the last two years, which is this team should be looking to move guys out. So, you know, let's you you kind of want to jump in. Let's have some fun tonight, because if we sit here and talk about this game and what we don't like about the team, this is that's going to be a hard thing for uh, anybody who's listening to us tomorrow to have to digest, especially if they watch the game tonight. (laughs) Then they got to come on and turn on this and listen to us drone about 30 minutes where there was, I think, how many shots and goal do the Ducks have tonight? Like 14? I I don't remember what the final count was. It was pretty bad. yeah, I think it was like nine after two periods. And by the way, shout out in the chat for people recognizing that I'm Silent Bob. Jason is my best friend, and we have dressed up as Jay and Silent Bob for Halloween before, and that's also one of my favorite movie characters of all time. So I appreciate that comment there. That's good. I um, love, by the way, that Kevin Smith said he became Silent Bob because he thought he was only going to get to make one movie, and he said, <laughs> fuck it, I'm going to be in it. I love it so much. Because he didn't want to talk. Yeah, he just didn't want to have any words. He's not going to say much, right? Yeah. I think I got the Silent Bob comments tonight because I have the damn hat backwards, but it is what it is. I like it. Um, the beard doesn't, doesn't hurt. No, it's true. Let's see. So let's – let's. Uh, oh, there we go. Someone's putting <laughs> – <laughs> Thanks to Eddie for putting uh, putting Kevin Smith over me. That's awesome. I just I wish my hair grew like his. I'd be a much happier guy if my hair was uh, not receding. <laughs> you got to get that comb to flow, man. Oh, I wish, man. The guy's got the, the best head of lettuce of all time on the docks, it would seem like to me. It's beautiful. Um, where do you want to start with the Getzloff talk? Where do you want to start with that? I mean, the Getzloff thing is interesting, right? Because you could look at if he wants... Because didn't you say you wanted to talk about this too? I know that that was a thing. Yeah, I I think the Getzloff stuff is really interesting because I think there are a couple of teams that make a lot of sense as far as things he could look for. And I think, you know, honestly, in a lot of ways of all the years, this might be one of the better years to move him because of the divisional play. Um, You know, like, honestly, like... If I'm Bob Murray, I'm sitting down and I'm asking him, I go, look, are you willing to go to Vegas? I mean, because Jason on the show on Monday vehemently said that uh, Getz isn't going anywhere, despite what I would say about it. I agree with you. But I mean, he, he was like, no, Getz has made it a known point. I'm yeah. not leaving. I have to waive my no trade. I have no desire to go leave and win somewhere else. I'm going to finish my career as a career duck. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think what you're leaning at is kind of what I was going to say is, why not leave at the trade deadline? And then come back as a free agent. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I have a lot of respect for Getzloff's commitment to the franchise. Um, you know, like I re- like it's going to sound silly, but like I remember when he was named captain and like they talked to him about it and it was something that really mattered to him. Right. He really he really wanted that role. Like he's always kind of been that guy. Um, 
And I've, you know, he's like my favorite player in Ducks history. So I've always had uh, a real appreciation for him just as the way that he kind of tries to go about his business and being a leader on the in team. In all of Ducks like history, that. Ryan Getzloff's your favorite player? Yeah. Wow. Very when nice. I was a kid, my favorite player was Solani. But, um, you know, it, it, all of, he gets, he's my guy. Because, you know, he was drafted by the team, which makes a difference for me. And I just think the stuff with Paul kind of ended like a sour taste. So it's just a little hard. But but I I just think it's an interesting thing. Like, I, I 100% respect that he has earned the right to say, I'm not going anywhere. But I don't think it's ridiculous to ask him and go, do you want to go to Vegas? It's a, you know, three-hour, four-hour drive, whatever it is from Orange County. And you're only going to be playing local teams. So it doesn't really hurt his family in a way that maybe it would elsewhere, right? Like if he got shipped to Boston or something like that. So if he were to go to Vegas, that's, that's the, I'm going to, I'm going to park on that one real quick. And then we got to get to something in the chat before we lose it. And then we'll come back to the trades. But who do you take from Vegas realistically? I mean, obviously we know who we would all want, but in that deal, what do you see being a realistic, you know, give back to Anaheim. I mean, it can't be much. It gets off on an expiring deal. Yeah, no, it's, I think what you're looking at is, you know, probably a lottery protected pick. And I would ask for Peyton Krebs. I know he's a player that Anaheim liked and Anaheim wanted to trade up, uh, the year they took Zegris. They wanted to package their, what ended up becoming Braden Tracy and their second pick, and their second rounder to move up and take Krebs. Uh, and they had a deal in place, but Vegas got to him first. <clears throat> you know, uh, I think the salary cap thing is the salary cap thing. The Ducks can retain up to 50%, and there's like the whole weird rolling daily cap stuff. But to me, the reason that they make the most sense is they don't have a first-line center. That team is almost entirely powered by wings. You know, William Carlson has come down to earth and has settled into a really good second-line center. You don't but, like Chandler Stevenson? I he seems like a nice fella. <laughs> I don't know that if you have what thirty-year-old Max Pacioretty and thirty-year-old Mark Stone, that Chandler Stevenson's the guy you want to park your bus on. You know, and I just think having someone like Getzloff, who either they can put between Stone and Pacioretty, or put on a separate line and feel like they have a real true second anchor. I think that's huge, you know, and I think Peyton Krebs is an interesting player. I think uh, a lottery protected first makes a lot of sense, and I think that's probably what you're looking for. You know, maybe you take, you know, a bottom six player or something like that just as kind of a, uh, you know, just as kind of a guy just to be like, give us somebody. I mean, Getz, Getz would be more successful there, and people in the chat are kind of shitting on it, but what they don't understand is that Getz in a center role with wingers like that can be very successful. Right. There's, a, there's a big reason why Brian Getzloff on this team is not very, you know, good-looking play-wise. I mean, Troy Terry and Adam Henrique aren't necessarily killers when it comes to finding the right. back of the net. Uh, right. And I could, I could definitely shit on Troy Terry a lot here, and then you and I would get into a long conversation about why you still like him. But maybe that's a conversation <laughs> for another show. Uh, but yeah, I think Getz would be very successful there, and I think that uh, I think a lot of dudes would have a lot of interest in his leadership ability. Because say what you want about it, I know I've talked a lot of crap on uh, leadership qualities and what those actually bring the intangible parts to a team. But teams like that, they like to know have like a big voice in the room that could calm a group down. So I, I don't see why a lot of teams would not be interested in acquiring Ryan Getzloff. Yeah, I mean, how much did we hear, you know, last year about the benefit that Dallas felt having Perry in the room added? And I know I've heard from uh, Claude Julien that he's felt that Perry has added, you know, he's added value to that that locker room with some of the younger players on that team. Um, you know, and I love Bears, but I think we can all say that Ryan Getzloff is definitely more of a presence. Um, what is Eddie so, doing to our, our podcast tonight? What is he? If you guys, okay, anyone listening tomorrow, <laughs> you need to go back and watch our Twitch channel for this because Ed is, Ed's been screwing with our lower third uh, for the entire show. I just found it. That's fantastic. Um, uh, but yeah, somebody in the 
in the chat said it, Alberta teams make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think also Calgary and Edmonton make a lot of sense too. I don't think that's out of line. I think, you know, Calgary is your best bet. Can just you imagine you inject him into the Battle of Alberta? How nasty Getz still likes to be? Yeah, dude. It would be, he would go insane because he would have so much of the pressure taken off of him coming into the locker room, like coming into a new team, that he would just, oh, he would drive people up a wall. And it would be the best. I would love it so much. That would be real. Like, him and Makachuk on a line together would personally fill my heart with joy. <laughs> because that's like 200 penalty minutes a night on their own, and I would be so happy. So let's kind of shift gears just for a second and go back to the youngsters on the dock. So they were talking about on the chat here with Lindholm, the possibility of Lindholm being hurt for any amount of time is definitely going to open the doors uh, for somebody to come in and fill that role. Uh, we saw that Andy Walensky got put on the taxi squad. Was he put on the taxi squad? I think that's what the case was. Um, do you think we'd see Drysdale come up instead? Do you, do you see him? No. I, I can't imagine they bring him into the shit show. I don't think they will. I I think that they're going to bring up Zegers before they bring up Drysdale. And I don't think they're bringing up Zegers anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, you know, so I, I think you're looking at Walensky... Um, I don't know how far away Gooley is from being healthy. You've got Mahura. I totally forgot that kid was on the team. Who, Gooley? Yeah, I liked him, too. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's a good skater. He makes a decent pass. Like, he's, you get why he was drafted. You get why Anaheim, you know, targeted him in a trade. He just hasn't been able to put it all together at all consistently. Um, So, I, I, I don't think Drysdale comes up. I think... You know, we're going to be getting closer to Manson coming back soon. And, you know. How long ben has he Hutton's been injured? Been has he been injured like two weeks and he's out six? We have another month? No. <laughs> I think so, dude. Oh, man. You might be. Oh, yeah. Because I think that was four <laughs> to six, but he might, he might end up coming out early. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, but I, I think as much as Larson looked garbage tonight with that turnover for mm. the first goal. He almost looked like Kevin Shattenkirk. He was so bad. Yeah, but he was holding the stick the wrong way. Otherwise, he'd make $4 million a year for no reason. But, I, you know, I just think there's a lot of other players that they'll plug into the lineup before they bring up Drysdale. I think they're going to like – and I don't disagree. I just um, – I think there's going to be a lot of value for letting him just kind of run rampant in – the AHL and just kind of letting him run people over. Like, I don't mean like he's not that kind of player physically, but no. as far as his level of play, you know, he's a guy who, who's been doing a really good job. Now let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the, the fun tweet that uh, one of my favorite podcast hosts, <laughs> one of my favorite Twitter follows, at least for me, because he's such a bastard every time that he, he, he will retweet people just to clown them, even even people who are legit in the industry. But Ryan Lambert had a tweet today talking mm-hmm. about trading straight up for Jack Eichel with, with, with Jeff Skinner. Uh, he said, well, why? <laughs> a team that's not so good with a large prospect pool and uh, needs to inject some score to the lineup. Gee, why wouldn't Anaheim do this? Essentially is what he said. I don't have the tweet in front of me. Yeah, But that's, that's something that made me laugh because I would – find a way to make that trade happen would you not look i i made i wrote a whole article about the ducks should make a trade for jack eichel at the beginning of the year i said they had the pieces to make an eichel deal worth it you know they've got dylan cousins in buffalo and if you can put dylan cousins and trevor zeggers together uh either as a one-two center or you know maybe they do end up like eddie has said move zeggers to the wing you know, I, I think that could be a pretty phenomenal young core. And, you know, as long as the Ducks aren't giving up Lindholm or Gibson, I don't know that there's anybody who should be considered off limits because, you know, Eichel comes into the – he probably walks onto the roster as the best player, even over Gibby. Well, isn't he by far and away the best player on Buffalo? Like, it just feels oh, like he's – He has time. nobody there. That I feel like is is a part of the supporting cast that can help them win. <laughs> so him wanting out, or the rumor, or if there's any sort of smoke there, there's definitely fire. Like there's no way he's happy in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they brought in Jeff Skinner, and he had one great year, and so you know he got that huge contract, and then they brought in Taylor Hall this year, and uh, 
Uh, he, that just hasn't gone well. Yeah, so. what, I'm looking that up. What the hell has gone on with Taylor Hall this season? Buffalo's bad. <laughs> Players who go there end up being bad. Um, you know, I. How many goals do you think I, he has this season in 13 games? Ooh, two? He has one goal. Does he have more than four assists? He has double that. He has eight assists, nine points in 13 games. He's a minus 10, which I know you God. love the plus minus stat. Big uh, fan. But he's got 572 points in 640 games. I would not mind him in Anaheim either. But um, I would rather take Jack Eichel. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Everybody wants that guy. <laughs> yeah, Jack Eichel's phenomenal. And to some of the points that I know I have made about... Worst hair in hockey, though, by far. Oh, come on. He's like Jack Harlow. It's great. <laughs> he's, he's got some bad hair. That guy's got some bad hair. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I, I think, you know, it's a big benefit for Jack Eichel. Like, look, at the end of the day, like, it's Orange County. Like, having an American be the front of the team would be huge. It would give a lot of people uh, an opportunity to be invested in a team that they historically haven't been. I mean, having Bobby Ryan was huge for the team. Jack Eichel's better than Bobby Ryan. So in chat, they're asking, um, or uh, Nate asked, or said, rather, Gibby for Eichel. Do you do yeah, I, I would never do that deal. It's a gift of the magic. It's it's ridiculous because the problem is, you know, you take Jack Eichel on a what team. What did you say? The gift of the Magi. It's the story. It's a Christmas story. I know what it is. But it's true, right? She she sells her hair to get him a pocket watch uh, chain. He sells his pocket watch to get her a comb. And now neither of them can use the thing that they just got each other. And it's very funny. And that's how I feel about a Gibby for Eichel trade. What's the point in bringing in a player like Eichel if you're going to get rid of the best thing that you can offer him? Oh, Which it's is so funny. an elite goaltender behind him. DB Lowry says in chat, Americans only team, Zegris, Eichel, Gibby, and Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you can't trade Gibby for Eichel. It doesn't work. <laughs> I, I understand. And he why. says Eichel and Gibson trade 100 out of 100 times. There's no way that that's a, like an amazing deal. There's got to be more to it. I, I don't – I just don't see the logic in that trade because I really do think the point of bringing in a player like Eichel is finally giving a player like Gibby the ability to have guys in front of him who can, you know, score goals. I mean, look, as long as you have John Gibson, like, do any of us – Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I feel like we the team needs to average more than two and a half, three goals a game. So like, so here, here's exactly what, how the chat's going to reply to you, right? I'm not looking at it right now, but I, I know they're going to say, yeah, you do the trade. Because then Dostal comes up and plays. We're going to rely on a 21-year-old kid. To come up and, and carry this <laughs> inept defense uh, with this offense that we hope is is ignited with Zegers and Eichel playing on the same line sounds like fun. Um, I don't. I'm not really sure if it makes a lot of sense. I guess it just kind of depends on what you value more. Do you value scoring or do you value goals goaltending at this point? 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Honestly, for me, I really do think it's as simple as talent. Talent is what matters. And if you're going to bring in a player like Jack Eichel, I don't think you want to let a 26-year-old Vezina candidate quality goaltender walk out the door. It doesn't make sense. You know, I, I would be more comfortable giving up Lindholm, and I still think that would be stupid. But then we have Drysdale, though, Stephen. You don't need yeah, to but, have Lindholm. Yeah, you, have you don't Drysdale. need to have the best fucking defender on the team. That's fine. You just get rid of him. We've got Cam Fowler. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> with with Jack of Larson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Ben Hockenpah. Hockenpah has been great against the Sharks. Why wouldn't that hold up when we get to the playoffs? Yanni Hockenpah, I mean, I, he's... That's a, that's one guy on the team I can just look at this and be like, I've got nothing bad to say about you, dude. But that, to me, it fits perfectly with the issue, right? Which is, he didn't. nobody had expectations for him coming into the year. It was, oh, he looked all right at the end of last season, and you know we'll see what kind of happens with him. And then he came into the lineup, and he's been good. I'm not saying he hasn't been good. He's done a really good job, but... I I wonder how much of people's affinity for him is how little their expectations of him were. Um, but he hasn't you know, been bad. Like the, he's he, not no, looked bad. He hasn't been bad, but he. I, I am not trying to knock him. What I am saying is that I do believe that there is a level of sentiment for him that is based just in the fact that nobody was expecting much of him. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we kind of hopped off the topic of Eichel and Gibby. So I want to go back to that and ask you, since you're vehemently saying it's the gift of the Magi. That might be one of my favorite quotes on this podcast, and we've been podcasting a long time. It's <laughs> I've, I never thought in my life I would hear about that, that, that story again. Wasn't it a movie, too? I want to say it was. Probably um, was. <clears throat> I just that made me laugh. So, who? What's your deal for Jack Eichel? What do you trade realistically? You have one shot to get him. Yeah. Who who are you trading? Honestly, for me, it's it starts at Zegris, this year's first rounder, and Ryan Kessler. Like, there's no <laughs> no no no. Here's the thing the about Ryan the money. Kessler. It's the money thing, and the Bagulas are cheap. And here's the thing about Ryan Kessler's contract. It is insured up to 80%. So the actual payout in salary to the franchise he's on is minimal. Mm. So you get a nice, fat $7 million cap hit, and you only have to pay out, I think it's about $3.5 million over the next two years. <laughs> so it's it's a, like, honestly, like he's a perfect like Ottawa guy because he has a huge cap hit and low pay because of the insurance. Um, for me, that's – and, you know, I if – if I'm Anaheim, I am trying to push for next year being the first-round pick, but I don't think they take it. And you're probably looking at Perot and maybe Steele or maybe Lundestrom. That's a lot. I, it's a lot, but Jack Eichel's really good. That's a like, lot, though, man. Jack Eichel is so good. But you're giving up basically all of the all of the young assets that everybody here in chat no, we're keeping wants you You're to favorite. have Eichel play <laughs> alongside. But the fact of the matter is, like, you would have to give up a gigantic piece. You can't keep Zegers yeah. and get Eichel. There's no way. No way. Unless they absolutely, like, the only way I can see that happening is if they call you and say, we want Drysdale and Dostal. And maybe, but that here's the thing with that. I don't think that's a value. What I think that would have to be is the organization saying, these are two players we see having value for us down the road. Mm, possibly two, right? So yeah, a couple of first-round picks and a, and a gigantic prospect 
and then probably a minor prospect is what you're going to see come off the off the off the uh, roster. Yeah, that's what you'd have to see. That would be such a tough give, though. Uh, everyone in chat, would you guys trade? Would you guys trade Zagreus in a package for Jack Eichel? Let's see how they like that. We'll get back to that one for sure. Um, let's talk about the San Diego Gulls because that has been a really exciting team to watch. They play tomorrow, and hopefully, as uh, as friend of the show Dave tweeted out before the show, <laughs> he tweeted at Fox <laughs> 5 in San Diego and the San Diego Gulls, and then he tagged the Ducks in there saying, can you guys please stream it because it's more exciting? Uh, they're 5-0 and now. They, and Dostal has a 9-50. and 6-0. And I think Dostal's faced 40-plus shots a game every game this season. Yeah. So that's why they think he can carry the Ducks. What, what is your I, feeling yeah. on the on the, on the goals right now, though? I kind of feel like Dostal's kind of carrying the load down there. I, I think I, I feel like a broken record, but I do think what you're seeing with the goals is what we said was the the blueprint for a successful Anaheim team this year. You've got Zegers, who's making the power play borderline unstoppable, and you've got a goalie who can stand on his head every game. Between those two things, that's going to get you goals, and those goals are going to be worth more because you, you're going to win a game with two goals because Dostal has been that good so far. And if the power play is clicking at a high level and then you add on to that, you know, the kind of normal... Uh, what just happened? Oh, Eddie's Eddie's putting stuff up on our Skype. <laughs> Skype. Uh, Everyone's making fun uh, of your sniffles too, by the way. Just a heads up. Yeah, no, I saw. That's <laughs> fine. That's not new for me. Um, but you know, I think that's kind of just what it it, it is, you know. And I think what you know. Drysdale's look good. Zagreus's look good. Dostal seems to apparently be the second coming of Dominic Ashik. You know, uh, I would be reticent to mess with any of that just because I like that they're playing well down there. And I think them being good at that level is more valuable than them being kind of good at this level and not getting the results. Yeah, as much fun as it would be to have the kids up in Anaheim uh, and I know we've talked about it a bunch on the show. We've been talking about it all season, about when they're going to get a chance, when they're going to come up. And it's almost like you're either on one side of the fence where they're like, F it, the team sucks anyway, let's just do something fun. And then there's the other side that's like, so you're going to bring these kids up to this uh, dumpster fire and see if they have a good time mm-hmm. and can learn anything while they're up here from the pros? Nah, I think that it would be make a lot more sense, at least from uh, – uh, I, Jesus, I don't want to say it's the correct perspective here, but like, why would you want to bring the kids into that? Let's just the end of the season. If you're going to bring them up now, it's because things are fun in Anaheim, and it makes sense. Things yeah. aren't fun in Anaheim. We're not a playoff team. We're not beating teams that we should beat. We're going to bring them up and do what? Like, I don't think Zagreus is going to light the world on fire in Anaheim if you bring them up now. Yeah, no, I, I, I have genuinely been pretty torn about this. I think both of those things make a lot of sense. I can absolutely talk myself into, like I said earlier, bring them up now, let them get that, you know, early career jitters or first year jitters out of the way on a team where the stakes aren't there. So they're going to make whatever mistakes they make. And it really doesn't have an effect on the season as a whole. But I also understand the mental side of it where you're just like, do we really want to put these kids through the meat grinder so quick? You know, I don't know that it's always worth it. So, you know, I, I, I think you have to take the temperature of the room. If, you know, if maybe the Anaheim locker room isn't as down as some of us might feel that it is, maybe it's okay. You know, you can bring them into some positivity. They can uh, be, you know, a little bit of a spark and uh, a little bit of inspiration kind of as far as um, just injecting some creativity and some, some energy and some youth into the lineup. What about Chase DeLeo? I, that gets that got brought up here in chat too. Yeah. You think he makes a squad at some point? He got brought up to the to the taxi squad. I could see it happening that these guys can't figure out how to score goals. I, I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking that. Like I, I would just think that he's going to be down there the whole time. Like I don't, I don't know that Chase DeLeo is ever really going to make the leap. 
I think he's going to ultimately be a career AHLer, and I think that's awesome for him, and he's been really good. Uh, but I just don't think at this point, like, I don't know that he's played too many games in the pros, if at all. He has, so, just not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's really any value there. Like to bring to really bring anyone to shake the team up, I think we're at a loss of what to do to fix this. I think we've seen just about every line combination in Anaheim, barring bringing up kids from San Diego to fill the roles. Uh, and now with Hampus Lindholm possibly hurt, you're looking at probably Andy Walensky coming in and and, and getting some time. And they're going to shift. They're going to shift around the defensive lines. Um, I, I think maybe the offense was just off tonight compared to how they looked a couple games before. I, I imagine we see a different team here on Saturday. That's honestly what I'm what I would truly feel is going to happen. I think that they're probably going to be very embarrassed after playing the way they have the past couple of games where they were in those games. I mean, despite San Jose scoring both our goals um, <laughs> tonight, they just didn't look good at all. Uh, I, I can't imagine we see the same Ducks team's effort on Saturday. I, I think we see a different team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would say the effort was the issue tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I watched that game and I was like, yeah, they don't care. Like, I think... Not that they didn't I, care, I, but, like, there's just no urgency. It didn't feel like, except for when I watched Mac, Max Jones skate with a puck. Like, or come to all. A couple of the young guys look good with a puck. Other than that, I just kind of didn't really see the guys have that push tonight. I don't know. Maybe they're on Team Tank, too. Oh, I hope so. That would make me feel a lot better, personally. I, you know, it's a little lonely sometimes being the one driving the tank. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how much I'm expecting. I think, you know, you want to look for individual players to kind of bounce around as far as effort and efficiency. I think Max Jones has looked really good. Um, You know, I think Comtois has been the guy he's been all year, and I think that's good. I think Troy Terry is getting more comfortable. I think Sam Steele is getting more comfortable. I think ultimately, like we talked about at the top of the show, like it really is a lack of elite talent on this roster that is that would allow the rest of the roster to be in a position where they're not overwhelmed by the demands being placed on them. To me, the worst thing that Bob Murray has done this year is state at the beginning that the expectations were mm, to playoffs. be a competitive team. Yeah, essentially yeah, saying I, the playoffs. I don't know what value he has sorry I don't know what value that adds to the team when anybody could objectively look at this roster and say short of John Gibson winning a heart trophy this is not this team is not making the playoffs there's just no way there's no way and I, and I had him play I had him pegged fourth if they continue to play like they did tonight there's just no way I'd love to see it happen I just don't see it um well, one more thing from the chat, too, but uh, it's a good one. Do you think that we see Dallas Aikens fired this season? This season? No, absolutely not. I don't think there's any value for him being fired. I don't think you're going to gain anything out of it. Um, I think he, if he's fired, it'll be by either whoever comes in to replace Bob Murray or the Samuelis will tell both of them to be gone. That's that. That's, that's a, that could be a possibility. I think the Sam Willies though have a lot of respect for Bob Murray. Um, I, I I can't imagine them push him out at all. I think he's going to be able to walk away from this franchise when he's ready, unless they just I, I don't know. Is he in the last year of his contract? As is, is this his last hurrah? Or does he have one more after this? Bob Murray. Yeah. Look uh, I think he's got a one in one. So okay. I think he has technically a uh, an executive option or whatever for the next year. Um, there's a debate between Travis Green and Jared Gallant going on right now, and I, I would lean towards Travis Green. Um, I think Gerard Gallant is better for a roster with more talent. What are um, you saying? <laughs> that team sucks. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just I. I don't think Eakins is fired until the off season. Even if that's the case, 
which he might not be. Right. He's yeah. he's a victim of roster construction here. Let's not let's not pretend that he was given a gold mine and is fucking it up. That's just not what's happening here. No, not at all. I, I, I don't think so at all. I think the only reason he would be fired is because the franchise wants a complete clean start. And yep. they are absolutely entitled to that, uh, are entitled to that, and I think that's totally fair. Um, but I don't think I don't think they're gonna let Bob Murray fire him. No. I think he's fired three coaches, technically. Oh, Carlisle's so twice. They're not <laughs> yeah, Carlisle twice and, and Boudreaux, but like they're not giving him another one. I, I think just, we should I bring Carlisle back. I think Carlisle would do well with this team. I think it'd be fun. I'm sorry, I can't. What did you say? I, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> there was so much static. No, I would never so want weird. that. I feel like the, the team played better under Bob Murray when he was on the bench than they are playing right now. Um, we're, we're about at, at the end, it feels like, of how far we could stretch tonight's game uh, without having to just drone on. That's what I was trying to avoid, although in uh, our pre-show chat, you thought I was just going to be a total shit show coming on here and being upset, but um, I think we think we avoided that. <laughs> There's a few questions on Twitter. Then, uh, Dave, I'm not going to answer yours. And Ricky Bradley says, can, anyone, can, can we please, for the love of all things hockey, bench Kevin Shattenkirk for literally anyone else? Do you still have that sentiment about Kevin Chattenkirk? I think it's very hard for Dallas Akins to justify any of his other choices if he's not willing to bench Shattenkirk. So yeah, I'm <laughs> fine with it. Like I don't, I don't know how you bench Henrique and not bench Shattenkirk at this point. Like, I, man, that Shattenkirk deal somehow. I. I was so excited when that signed because I was like, yeah, we got a guy who can at least run a power play, and he has been dog shit on the power play. I don't understand how any of this stuff works. And now a good point in the in the chat, too, says that no way Shattenkirk uh, gets benched if Lindy's out. No, 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 no. What does it say? What does the comment actually say? <laughs> Shattenfreud. <laughs> Which is so good. Oh, I might only call him Schadenfreude from now on. That's so good. <laughs> Another question oh. comes in. It's uh, from St. George Sports fan on Twitter. When do you th- when do you think we'll be officially out of the playoff race? Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> okay, you didn't have us in the playoff race. Um, I, I didn't. Know. Realistically. The bottom of this this division is bad enough. They could be in it till the end. It's it's very possible. I think I was going to say I, I would, I would say have to be of March is probably with the end of March. So we have like another six weeks until we're officially out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god! I, I can't wait to see what I'm more excited about this season after seeing how the Ducks are playing so far. I mean, I hope I hope they turn it around and make this season fun. Uh, obviously, but. I'm really stoked on the trade deadline this year, given that there's an expansion draft after that. That's going to be phenomenal this season. Regardless if you're a Ducks fan or not, you should be excited about those two things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a blast. I, I heard something, uh, I think it was on Puck Soup, where they're saying they might push uh, the the entry draft to next year and do two separate entry drafts next year, one for this year's players and one for next year's players. The hell? Yeah, it'd be real weird. But uh, if nothing else, we're going to get an expansion draft, and I'm very excited about that because that's going to be fun. Yeah, all the GMs uh, are swearing up and down they're not going to be abused this time. We'll see. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we know how, uh, how much we can trust them to, at their word. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen it all. But um, you got anything else you want to chat about tonight, Matt? You want to call it a show? I just want to say real quick, uh, the trade for everybody who's putting it in there is, and I pissed Eddie off with this the other day, is trade Rico and Shattenkirk for PK Subban. That's the trade I want. Why did that make Eddie mad? I would love to hear that. Because PK Subban's bad. Yeah, he's not good. (laughs) Yeah, he's not good anymore. (laughs) And he's got a fat contract. It's like it's like how Eric Carlson hasn't been the same since he got injured. I saw on Twitter, I think, uh, like Radic Bonks, the fake account. The guy actually talks about yeah. hockey all the time. It's a great account. But he has a good point. Like Carlson used to be good, really, really good, until he got hurt. But uh, 
Subban, I don't know what happened. He was really good too. And then all of a sudden just wasn't. It's the same thing that's happened with Carlson. He's just, he's not as effective as a skater as he is anymore, mm. you know? And, and so much of his, his play was dictated, you know, by his ability to skate. Um, you know, he used it in a different way than Carlson did. Yeah, very um, much so. But, but he was still using his skating and that, you know, that, that really is what powered a big part of his game. And, you know, he's just had an injury. He, injuries have taken a toll on his body and it happens. You know, the dude logged big minutes on teams that were making runs for a while. He's been in the league for a long time. Yeah, everyone forgets. You know? Like, he's been around for a long time. Like, he was on the Habs yeah. <laughs> a long yeah, time ago. He, yeah, I think he came into the Habs when he was, like, twenty twenty one, And he was, like, almost walked in as a top four blue liner for them. Like, he was so good when he was young. He was a killer. And we all made fun of that yeah. trade when uh, Nash, when when uh, Nashville and Subban trade happened. We all made fun of that, of I, course. I... I still think it is perfectly fine to say that it was a bad trade that has worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, it kind of has. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I do think it's one of those things where you're like, ooh, I don't know that uh, that's really getting the most value for a Norris-caliber defenseman, but uh, they definitely seem to have gotten the better end of it. So mm-hmm. sometimes you get a little lucky on stuff like that. When you're a GM, sometimes you you know you can get away with making a bad deal, and that's that's just not something we've seen happen too often here in Anaheim. But uh, that's well, we it. We would have to make deals to begin with. Mm, there it is. <laughs> we never do until the off season. It feels like, but uh, that's it for us tonight, everybody. Thanks for tuning in after such a tough game. Uh, Jay and I will be gone Saturday. It's Steven and Eddie, or as people have come to know you guys, Eeyore and Droopy. Are uh, back on the show on Saturday night after the game against who they play on Saturday. I said it earlier. Now I already forgot because my brain it just turned off. Um, Stephen, help me. Don't let me sit here and just figure I, it out. God. They play Minnesota again. How did I not know that? I should have just realized they play Minnesota again. So the boys will be back on Saturday night uh, after the game against Minnesota. Until then, we'll talk to you guys on Twitter, and we'll see you later.